communication is key, right? Yeah. Uh, it's all about communicating what is it that we are trying to do here. So if it's an open source audience, we must always communicate the value of our technology and the collaboration. Welcome to the Open at Intel podcast, where we're all about open source, from software to security to innovation and beyond. I'm your host, Katherine Druckmann, an open source evangelist at Intel, bringing you leading edge, free ranging conversations from some of the best minds in the open source community. Let's get into it. I sat down with Swarna Podila, a marketing leader in the open source community, to discuss various aspects of open source and enterprise marketing. We'll touch on the importance of communication, the challenges of balancing business interests with the ethos of the open source community, and the need for transparency and authenticity in interactions with both open source and enterprise audiences. Enjoy! Hey Swarna, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you being here. I am very glad to meet you in person for the first time here at All Things Open. Thank you very much, Catherine. It's great to meet you as well. And it is my first time at All Things Open as well. So it's exciting to be here. Yeah, it really is. I think, you know, I, unfortunately, I've been sitting here talking to interesting people <laughs> all day long, but and I haven't gotten to see quite enough, but it, there's a great energy. You know, there's a Indeed. lot of people here. Um, it feels like events are back, maybe. You know, yeah, it feels like it. I think this is definitely, as other folks were also mentioning, this seems to be the first time that the event has picked up that kind of energy and vibe that existed pre-lockdown and pre-COVID yeah. era. So it feels like maybe we're back again. Yeah, it's, 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 it's nice to see, certainly. I, I think people do need that a little bit of that in-person, face-to-face sure. communication now and then. Like yeah. I'm a, an advocate for remote work, but there is, there is a, a time and a place for, for getting communities together like this, Yeah, for sure. And speaking of communities... Yes. So, Sorna, tell, tell us a little bit about who you are and the type of work that you do. Sure. I have been in marketing for a very long time, product marketing specifically, but I have worked on different facets of marketing, leading either community and open source marketing for technology B2B companies or enterprise or commercial marketing for traditional hardware or even software companies back in the day. And now working on marketing strategy or go-to-market for early-stage startups that have either an open core offering and trying to monetize on their commercial offer or that support on our good citizens in the open-source community and are trying to figure out how to be a viable and successful player in the space with their marketing strategy. So one of the reasons I'm so excited to get to talk to you today is that you do have this very interesting perspective. Let's just put it this way. You've seen things, right? You've seen things in the community. And, yes. and the open source community, as we know, there's a social contract. It's a delicate dance between the interests of the open source community, the interests of the enterprise, and how you communicate with various audiences with various interests is a bit of a challenge. So, I, 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 spoiler alert, you're giving a presentation <laughs> about this very topic. And by the time this is released, I think I'll, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to link to it. So we should definitely check that out. But I wondered if you could just give us a little bit about sure. just a little teaser about what people might find there. Sure. Yeah, I spoke on the topic this morning. In Hi. fact, it was right after the keynotes. The topic was enterprise versus open source marketing, when to do what. Um, the session was not recorded, unfortunately. So I'm oh, probably okay. going to send you a link to my slides. And if I do have the time and bandwidth and energy, I might record it myself. Really just so folks can have some sort of access to it. But yeah, it was a 
just the discussion between open source marketing and enterprise marketing. A lot of times, many of the companies, particularly the startups in the early stages of their trajectory, are very unclear about what they want to do, what is it that they have to do. Everyone starts off with very good and noble intentions of being a very genuine and authentic citizen of the open source community. But somewhere down the line, the business interests kick in very hard. The investors start seeing, getting antsy for seeing the returns uh, from their investment. Or if it's a public company, the stakeholder or the street is very keen on looking at the results of the company. So they're all interested in seeing the business success. And what that translates to in, in turn for the leadership or the marketing team in particular is they quickly pivot to a sales-led initiative or quickly lead to the commercial side of the marketing, which somehow some, sometimes turns off the open source community users yeah. who are there to collaborate and participate in that community and not necessarily purchase and become a paid customer. So it's always about understanding what we as a business need to do, as an organization need to do, and what we want to do and when to do what. Like what are our long-term goals to be a successful business? What are our short-term goals? to start with an open source project or to continue down the path of open source success and establish our trust and credibility there, build our groundswell adoption there. And maybe if in the future we want to take that as an enterprise customer success, then how identifying how to transition this open source interest into a commercial interest. Like how do we bring this, this set of practitioners along the journey of enterprise purchase as well, if that is the goal, or sometimes an organization may not have a commercial goal at all, and that is perfectly okay to have it. So just understanding what, why we're doing what we're doing, and then being, as you said, doing the delicate dance of when to go double, when to double down on your open source marketing initiatives versus when to slowly intersperse your open source marketing initiatives with a commercial marketing in initiative so that you're bringing your audience along the journey and not necessarily using the age-old uh, phrase of bait and switch, like, hey, mm, we're doing the sure. open source, but under the covers, we are actually trying to sell you on our product kind of a, an approach. Right. I wonder, you know, in terms of giving advice mm -hmm. for communicating with those different audiences, just at a very basic level, just to start with, what are some very important things to remember when you're trying to communicate with an open source community audience versus a, an enterprise audience, a, a sales funnel, so to speak? Um, I think you mentioned it, you answered it without answering oh, the question I? itself. Oh, Communication is key, right? Yeah. Uh, it's all about communicating what is it that we are trying to do here. So if it's an open source audience, you we must always communicate the value of our technology and the collaboration, the importance of the collaboration that we are looking at. Whether we are leaning on our open source community to help us understand how to take the product or the project forward, so kind of more like using the community as our technical advisory board, or if we are seeking for contributors or maintainers for the open source project, then being very clear of what we expect from the community and how we are able to support those expectations. Like once we say that, hey, we're seeking contributors and maintainers for this project, we need to be able to provide that support system as well. Going back to Stephen's keynote on we don't owe you anything, maintainers get burned out very quickly. So as a company that is seeking maintainers from the open source community, 
do we have that plan and strategy to support the maintainer group before they get burned out? Because as a maintainer, it's very hard for them to say no. And sometimes maintainers do this in their free time, sure. not getting paid. Yeah. So as an organization or as a project owner, do we have that support system for them? And do we have the ability to provide that kind of air cover or buffer for them? Um, which is very different from a commercial marketing or commercial system uh, support system perspective where the marketing team's focus is very full or very strongly aligned with the sales goals and the revenue goals. Like, do I have enough sales support? Do, am I and my team providing enough sales support? Am I making sure that uh, all the activities, marketing activities eventually contribute to revenue, which means can I attribute my activities to revenue? Can I contribute to revenue when I have to report my success? How can I tangibly associate a webinar that we, have, we may have done or a field event that we may have done to a specific opportunity or a revenue uh, stream that we can tie into to show marketing success? So there is very different metrics and ways to measure the open source marketing success versus enterprise or commercial marketing success. So there are a few different approaches here, I think, where you, you see projects evolve out of businesses or vice versa, a business evolve out of a project. In one case, you may have an open source project that begins as not a commercial enterprise, something that even evolves in an academic environment. Mm -hmm. And then some, suddenly there's a business ecosystem built around it, or even with one central company taking the lead. And then you have other examples where I think a business might create a software and then decide to open source it later. Yeah. And, and those are, I think, probably very different challenges. And I wondered if you could kind of speak to, to some, some different scenarios where, where, a, where the approach might be different. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have never worked in academia, so I can't really right, talk sure. to those examples. But yeah, I have seen, I've worked at and have experience even with my current clients where they... So some of the examples are a group of people come together to start an open source project. Um, they follow all the guidelines that OSI uh, in, uh, recommends to be to call their project open source. And then they slowly start building a business on top of it. Somewhere along the along this journey, they may decide to donate the project to a neutral foundation because they want to keep the the ethos of the project still open source. Um, so they house it in a neutral foundation like a CNCF or Bytecode Alliance or any of these kind of other uh, foundations. And they still provide the enterprise support, uh, either an additional commercial feature set or professional services and support that they can use to monetize this open source project. And there are some... Uh, former employers and current clients that I work with where they don't have a neutral foundation, but they do have open source projects, which they fully own, and they implement it, um, and then they have a commercial flavor on top of it. And then I work with another set of client, uh, another client where they don't have any open source project per se, but their engineering team heavily contributes to the open source projects out there. So they are mainly contributors of existing projects, and then they commercialize that project as well. So they don't own the project, but they're contributors, and they have a license to distribute the project, the open source, uh, a certified distribution of that open source project. So 
but there are different ways that I have seen this work. Anytime, in any of these approaches, I think, as you mentioned again in the uh, early on, communication is key. How we engage with the audience, what we intend to do, has to be crystal clear from the start. And things change, things evolve, our approaches evolve over time. But even that needs to be communicated very clearly with the open source team, because we have to admit, it, this is a very smart group of users that we are talking about. Open source community is not one to take easily to be taken easily for a ride. Um, so you have to be very clear and just be very transparent in what we try, what we are trying to do. Document everything and to true open source ethos, publish everything in a documented or well documented format from the start. Get feedback from your community, iterate on that, and then see if it makes sense for you to monetize on how to monetize that open source project if that is your path uh, down the lane. So something that you mentioned earlier was a scenario where people might be seeking maintainers, seeking contributors, that sort of thing. And that is, that is again, a social contract. There is, a, there is in fact, there are some, in, there, in some cases, there are uh, contributor license agreements. That's a whole other conversation. But there are, uh, it, it, there's also an unspoken agreement there, right? Where a company or an entity, a project, values, obviously, the contributions of the contributors. But sometimes it's really hard to define how to show value, how to show people you value them. And I wondered if you had any thoughts on that or, or recommendations for best practices to really really put your money where your mouth is and, 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 and show um, gratitude to your community. Yeah. I do have experience. Um, so if it's a company that is backing that project, there are a lot of a uh, lot of options or ideas that they can experiment on. Like ambassador programs are really good or contributor programs are really good. They show explicitly how you're providing that kind of validation, gratitude, acknowledgements to everyone's efforts. But on a day-to-day -day basis, it's that support system that we need to provide. Do the contributors have the ability to say no? Or if things need to be escalated, is there someone to intervene and take charge from there or do the contributors own every single aspect of that right. conversation like is there someone that's going to step in and say no this is not how an open source consumer so to speak like one that consumes the project interacts or how what the language that they use to speak to the maintainers or contributors so it's kind of like someone needs to step in uh, code of conduct really helps like having that social contract spelled out in a very explicit code of conduct way, uh, saying these are the rules of engagement, this is how we interact, this is the acceptable behavior, and this is the unacceptable behavior, and the consequences for each. That also provides a sense of assurance and the comfort for the maintainers and the contributors in the sense that not just the ambassador programs or the awards, the yearly or annual awards that foundations or any other uh, group organizations give, in addition to that, it's a day-to-day -day support that we all need to provide, especially for the maintainers, to make sure that they have that kind of semblance of authority to say, no, we are not doing it this way, or no, we all decided and collected feedback from the community in the past. If you have anything, please submit a poll request and approach us this way, as opposed to confronting us in a more by taking a more offensive tone. Okay, so... so Pivoting a little bit to the commercial side of things, mm -hmm. enterprise view. So we've spoken quite a bit about communicating directly with communities, but I wondered if you could share some 
uh, back best practices on on the differences in communicating to your enterprise customer, for example. When you right. shift your focus then away from the open source community and then focus on the other type. On the commercial side, when we have paying customers, yes, we have very def definitive service level agreements written out for them. So any of the communications that need to happen, we are obligated to send out customer communications first because they are bound, to, they're obligated, or we are obligated to communicate with them first, given all of the agreements and the contracts that we have explicitly signed during the purchase. So I would probably, the best ways that it has worked in the past for me in my former companies or the clients that I work with is when we have a communications plan written out specifically for the paying customers or the commercial customers, given all of the feature updates or any kind of product feature changes or any of the updates that we're coming up, we have a very specific, we need to take a very specific tone of voice for our commercial customers and spell out what the upgrade path looks like, what the support system looks like, is there going to be a pricing change, packaging, packaging change, etc. All the things that will affect them or impact them. And then when we're trying to write down the open source communities um, communication plan, it is slightly different because the pricing and packaging may not be quite as relevant, support may not be quite as relevant, but the product changes or any of the licensing changes may be relevant. So understanding what in, again, focusing on the audience, like it's always about audience first, taking an audience first approach. So figuring out what who are we talking to and what matters the most to them. If we are announcing something or communicating something, how would they, receive it, how would they read that message, and what questions pop up instantly in their heads. Like anticipating them and answering those questions in those communications is extremely critical. While there is a social contract and unspoken contract with the open source community, there is an explicit written and signed contract with our paid customers. Exactly, yeah. So it is extremely critical and even more pivotal to structure com uh, communications a lot more methodically and st structurally with our paying customers on this side. I really appreciate uh, you sharing the other side of the coin there. Yeah. There. Um, yeah, I, just on, on, a, on a final note to wrap up, I wondered mm -hmm. if you could share some examples of some basic pitfalls to avoid when maybe confusing the two types of communication or you know, maybe making missteps mm -hmm. in either case. Yeah, oh, I can, how long do we have now? <laughs> um, one of the biggest missteps is definitely the bait and switch policy that I've seen many organizations trying to do, either intentionally or unintentionally. Sometimes the bait and switch, or as in, we are talking about open source, but we quickly pivot to the enterprise conversation, happens because the investors sometimes start putting pressure on the leadership, so they want to see quick returns out of the marketing investments or marketing initiatives. So... While the open source initiatives start nobly with a genuine objective of we're not here to collect leads, so to speak, but quickly the leadership team wants to see the leads that we collect out of these programs. So just making sure that we are not conflating the two and mixing up the two approaches, which will look like a bait and switch for the end user audience because you're bringing... You said that you were bringing them on an open source journey, but you're quickly switching them to an enterprise track, which is also very uh, misleading and deceptive for them. So it 
that is a big no-no. Uh, I have also seen a whole lot of uh, marketing initiatives where, for example, if there is an open source communication mechanism, like a newsletter, as simple as a newsletter, the open source community's newsletter takes a specific tone of voice, like informational sharing, educational, does not track open rates or any other specific qualifiers of a newsletter, but very quickly, again, the leadership team wants to see the metrics out of it, so you start putting in some sort of calls to action where you want people to click on something, sign up for something, and you start tracking all of those, and then you start badgering people to click on it. Oh, we have seen that you have not opened our newsletter for the past three times. And give us your feedback kind of an approach, which shows that you have not only been tracking, but now you're approaching me as to why I'm not opening yeah. your newsletter. So that always kind of rubs the audience in the wrong way. So taking a very genuine and authentic open source communications approach is extremely critical. And it takes, it takes a village. It's not on one person. So every team needs to realize who we are talking to and who we are reaching out to. And we need to stay true to the audience that we're reaching out to. Well, you know, I think we could have an entire podcast oh, just yeah. about about some of <laughs> some <laughs> of these conversations, especially the the point you brought up about metrics, measuring an audience that does not want to be measured. Exactly, that's a whole other a whole I mean, other conversation that we probably don't even have time for. But thank you so much. Oh. I would love to have you back to have that conversation and possibly others. So, Absolutely, uh, yeah, my pleasure. I, I really appreciate it, and I Thank hope you. you enjoy the rest of the event. And, Thank you very much. I hope you do soon. too. I hope you get a break in between the recordings and go catch some sessions. You've been listening to Open at Intel. Be sure to check out more from the Open at Intel podcast at open.intel.com/podcast and at Open at Intel on Twitter. We hope you join us again next time to geek out about open source.